0: Welcome everyone to Nintendo Podcast, your source for all things Nintendo. I am Eric, a.k.a. Silior, and today we are starting a brand new series on something that I have been looking forward to for a while. We are going to be doing an extensive series on Pokemon, and I was originally going to break the episodes down by platform. So, my first episode was going to be Gens 1 and 2, you know, the Game Boy slash Game Boy Color era, and then the next episode was going to be the Game Boy Advance era, and then, you know, the DS era, and so on. However, after some consideration, I decided that instead of going about it that way, I'm going to just give an episode to each generation, And then do another episode on, you know, knockoffs or, you know, hacks or, you know, just clones, stuff like that. Because I have played a few of those also. So before we get into all that, though, let's get into some news. So... There has been (laughs) a little bit of news out right now. So, we recently, well, not recently, but a while back when Durka was still on the show, we talked about a Nintendo theme park. So, that actually, from my understanding, I'm seeing an article saying that Super Nintendo World is actually going to be opening its doors spring of 2021. So originally it was going to be out, it was going to be out, it was supposed to open up this year, but due to COVID and everything that was put on an indefinite hiatus. However, it seems like things are back in motion. And it's supposed to open spring of 2021. So I would love to see that. I don't know whenever I would make it out to Osaka, Japan. But hopefully at some point, you know, one of those opens up stateside also. Because I would love to go and just enjoy that. Oh, actually, there are plans to open up a U.S. version of it in Orlando in 2023. So like... (laughs) (laughs) Like pretty much everything things happen in Japan first and then slowly make its way here. So Yeah, I'm actually looking at the article right now in case you guys didn't put two and two together. So That is some exciting news Um, also there have been rumors of leaked plans for the Nintendo switch pro or some sort of information about the Nintendo switch pro Like all rumors Take it with a grain of salt I don't know if I buy it or not I'll I'll believe it when I see it You know It's one of those things where You never know what to believe You know Social media And rumors And gossip in general I never know What to make of any of that crap So I'll just believe it When I see it Um In case you've been living Under a rock Or you know Something else to mine. Hey, see what I did there? Minecraft Steve is joining Super Smash Brothers. So this is something that people have been begging for for eons, and now it is official. So yes, Minecraft Steve is joining Super Smash Brothers. I watched the trailer for it and he's got some other skins. Like there's, uh, there's a skin for Alex. There's a skin for a Zombie. Pretty exciting stuff. So that, yeah, I haven't actually gotten the second Fighters Pass, but I need to get on that because that's pretty exciting stuff. So what else we got here? We've got the first anniversary tour for the Mario Kart tour so I guess the first lap of it is going to be around the sun so that'll be interesting I haven't actually played that game in a while so I may have to re-download that Uh, let's see what else we got here I'm I'm getting most of this from Nintendo.com by the way in case you were curious so um There is a John Wick game that has been announced on the Switch, but I will talk about that more when I get into sales and deals, which, you know what, let's go ahead and do that. So right now, through October 18th, you can save $20 on select Nintendo Switch games on Amazon.com. These include Mario Tennis Aces, Yoshi's Crafted World, Splatoon 2, New Super Mario Brothers, U Deluxe, and Super Mario Party on the Switch. So you can also get $20 off of these at Walmart.com, which is kind of interesting. So we got some games. We got some deals going on right now. We've got... Cobra Kai. I didn't know they made a game about the Cobra Kai, but I've watched the series on Netflix, so that's kinda cool. That is on sale $39.99, or down from $39.99 to $33.99. We've got Outbreak Epidemic, down from $14.99 to $12.74. We've got Hyper Brawl Tournament, $24.99 $24.99 down to $22.99. We got Dead Z Meat from $9.99 down to $8.99. We got Cloud Punk $24.99 down to $19.99. So, got, got a few deals. Didn't look like there's a ton right now. Uh, we got Luna and the Shadow Dust $17.99 down from $19.99. We got, let's see. Uh, G.I. Joe Operation Blackout, which I mentioned last time. So actually, I should probably say G.I. Joe: colon Operation Blackout. If you are a fan of GameStack. Stack, they usually do that. Do it that way. Got Legend of Ninjas uh, five ninety nine down from seven ninety nine. Yeah, I'm not really seeing a ton here. So why don't I just uh, we got some upcoming games? Um, if you want, I can. Yeah, I I mentioned pretty much all of these last time because I went through December. So, yeah, I'll just go ahead and get into my gameplay. So, I have pre-ordered Age of Calamity. And you know what? I'm going to get into my thoughts about this. I'm going to do kind of a hot take what the heck is the point of pre-ordering a game if they don't even take the money out of your account until a week before? So I, I appreciate the idea of being able to pre-order a game and then they they say you have up to a week to cancel it. Here, Here's my problem with that. I pre-ordered Age of Calamity. And it just says, hey, great. It will download you know know, a week before the game releases, which would be November 13th. It doesn't take your money out of your account. Oh, like I can see if you would pre-order the game, it takes the money out of your account, and then you say, you know, before the week before that, hey, I don't want this anymore. Can I get a refund? otherwise there's no point in pre-ordering the game. otherwise it's just gonna sit in the shop saying you've pre-ordered it but it doesn't do jack crap until a week before the game launches. so what the hell is the point of it? Anyway that that's just me I still have it preloaded or pre-ordered but again it won't preload. Until a week before the game launches. So, I really don't see what the point in having the pre-order system. Paired with the week cancellation, week to cancel said pre-order. Until, you know, a week before the game launches. I, I don't see what the hell the point is. But, again, that's just me... Maybe some people like it that way and they have a separate account to where they've got that money stored and it's not going to be touched until then. But not all of us have that luxury. So anyway, I have played Animal Crossing New Horizons. I've been playing a little bit of that. Um, I haven't crafted anything yet, but I've been buying costumes and I've been growing pumpkins, going around picking weeds up because it's usually a few days in between my play sessions. Um, Here's something else that I haven't talked about yet. Mario 35 is now live and it is free if you have the Nintendo Switch subscription service. So. What you do is you are basically playing the original Super Mario Brothers game and you're just trying to survive. You're not actively attacking people, well I mean you kind of are. You kill enemies, you go around kill enemies and you target people to send enemies to but if you're like me you don't even really pay attention to that. And then you collect coins and every 20 coins you get a power up. And it could be a mushroom if you've shrunk, it could be a fire flower, or it could be a star. The invincibility star. So I've played it quite a bit. I do enjoy it. I've gotten up to like fourth place, but I've never actually won the battle royale, but I've come pretty damn close. So I grew up playing the original Super Mario Brothers game, so that is quite fun to me. I've played a little bit more of Super Mario 3D All-Stars, I'm gonna start uh, playing a little bit of Sunshine. I've been continuing Super Mario 64, Um, I beat Bowser the first time, I don't know if I mentioned that the last time I did an episode or not. So yeah, I beat Bowser the first time, so now I just gotta go through and keep getting stars so I can continue the game. Obviously I've never beaten it before. Well, in case you can't tell. So, I'm going to start playing some of the other games because why not? uh, Why go through and finish Super Mario 64 when I can still play these other games? Why wait? So, um, another game that I played is Stardew Valley. Um, I've mostly been playing on mobile, but I played a little bit on the Xbox also. Um, I do have it on the Switch. uh, <laughs> I actually booted up one of my, like I think it was my original character, and I'm just looking around my farm, like, God, this place is a wreck. What the hell was I doing with this character? Uh, I think I was actually in year two, but there's so many weeds and tree branches and rocks that haven't been cleared out of my farm, um, my house only has the first upgrade to it. I'd only gotten down to like level 60 in the mines. I have no idea what I was doing with all my time in that game. Um, I am married in the game, but that's about it. Like, I don't think they start asking you if you wanna have kids until you've expanded the house to include a nursery and a child's room and a family room and all that. So I don't know what I was doing with all the time that I was spending in the game. Before my phone uh, got upgraded, I was getting close to being, getting to year three. I did a lot more in the game and now I've got it on my phone again. I am in spring of year two and I've built, I've upgraded my house twice. I've completed the first mine I'm working on the second mine in the desert because I've actually made it to the desert I've repaired the bus I don't even think I did that in the first playthrough that I was I had on my switch but if you haven't played Stardew Valley it is quite fun it is on the switch if you give me a second I can look it up look up the price I highly recommend this game if you like Harvest Moon or you know the Sims, or even Minecraft, I don't know, well, maybe not Minecraft, but you do have a farm, it's pixelated, it's not blocky, it's not polygons, but it's very relaxing, the music is great, I have actually looked up the soundtrack on Amazon, so I can't actually see it on the Nintendo. Website or on the switch because I've already got it downloaded But if you look it up more often than not it is on sale for $14.99 So that's pretty cheap. I think I actually got it on sale for 10 bucks So that's not bad at all. I did look up the John Wick game. I Can tell you a little bit about it it comes out on December 4th you can get it for $19.99 and it says it's a fast-paced action-oriented strategy game that makes you think and strike like John Wick the professional hitman of the critically acclaimed film franchise so they it's created in close cooperation with the creative team behind the films It says it features a unique blend of strategic time-based action and it captures the feel of the tactical combat of the films and blurs the line between strategy and action video game genres. So I guess it also has some voice actors who actually reprise their roles in the movies such as Ian McShane and Lance Reddick. It also has legendary voice actor Troy Baker. So. I'm looking forward to this game so definitely check it out and I am going to take a short break and we'll hear from my sponsor Anchor and then we'll talk some Pokemon so stay tuned guys. guys welcome back after that little bit of a break so let's talk some pokemon so pokemon also known as pocket monsters in japan is a japanese media franchise managed by the pokemon company a company founded by nintendo game freak and creatures The franchise was created by Satoshi Tajiri in 1995 and is centered on fictional creatures called Pokemon, which humans, known as Pokemon trainers, catch and train to battle each other for sport. Works within the franchise are all set within the Pokemon universe, obviously. The English slogan for the franchise is Gotta Catch Em All. Gotta catch them all Pokemon. So the franchise began as Pokemon Red and Pokemon Green, later released outside of Japan as Pokemon Red and Blue. I don't know why they changed the color from green to blue, but there you go. A pair of video games for the original Game Boy handheld system that were developed by Game Freak and published by Nintendo in February 1996. It soon became a media mix franchise adapted into various different media. Pokemon has since become the highest grossing media franchise of all time, with 90 billion dollars in total franchise revenue. The original video game series is the second best-selling video game franchise behind Mario, the Nintendo's Mario franchise, with more than 368 million copies sold and 1 billion mobile downloads. 1 billion, wow. And it spawned a hit anime television series that has become the most successful video game adaptation with over 20 seasons and 1,000 episodes in 69 countries. In addition, the Pokemon franchise includes the world's top-selling toy brand, the top-selling trading card game, with over 30.4 30, 30. billion cards sold. I actually had some cards, but unfortunately I didn't have them for very long. But I actually, I remember that I had a holographic vial plume, but everybody wanted a Charizard back at that point. So there's also however many animated films and live action films, there's actually, yeah, there's Detective Pikachu, that's the one live action film. Books, manga, comics, music, merchandise, and a theme park. The franchise is also represented in other Nintendo media such as Super Smash Bros. So, talks a bit about the television series here. Um, In November 2005, 4Kids Entertainment, which had managed the non-game related licensing of Pokemon, announced that it had agreed not to renew the Pokemon representation agreement. The Pokemon Company International oversees all the Pokemon licensing outside of Asia. In 2006, the franchise celebrated its 10th anniversary. In 2016, it celebrated its 20th by airing an ad during the Super Bowl 50 in January, re-releasing the first Pokemon video games in 1996, Game Boy games Pokemon Red and Green and Blue. In 1998, Game Boy Color game Pokemon Yellow for the th- was released for the 3DS on February 26, 2016. The mobile augmented reality game Pokemon Go was released in July of 2016. The first live action film, as I mentioned, is Detective Pikachu, and it's based on the 2018 Nintendo 3DS spin-off game of the same name. And it was released in 2019. The most recently released core uh, series games Pokemon Sword and Shield was released on November 15th, 2019. We have talked a bit about that. Um, We gave our thoughts on it. I will probably revisit that. So, since there's the DLC, the second part of the DLC coming out this month. So, Pokemon... Executive Director director Satoshi Tajiri first thought of Pokemon, albeit with a different concept and name, around 1989 when the Game Boy was released. The concept of the Pokemon universe in both the video games and the general fiction world of Pokemon stems from the hobby of insect collecting, a popular pastime which Tajiri enjoyed as a child. Players were designated as Pokemon trainers and have three general goals. To complete the regional Pokédex by collecting all of the available Pokémon species found in the fictional region where the game takes place. <laughs> Gens one and four, I'll, I'll get into that, but uh, they were all based on different regions of Japan. So, Pokémon region, sorry, Pokémon trainers, as I said, have three goals: one to collect to complete the Pokédex, and number two to take down. Or to train a team of powerful Pokemon to compete in the gym challenge. So there's that, and become regional regional champion. And then there's also typically an evil organization that you got to take down. The first two gens were Team Rocket, and then there's others as you go along. So those are the three goals. Pokemon red and Blue were played in third person overview with an overhead pers- yeah, with third person view with an overhead perspective and consist of three basic screens, an overworld which the player navigates and the main character, and then the side by side view battle screen, and then a menu interface in which the player configures his or her Pokemon items and game settings. The player can use his or her Pokémon to battle other Pokémon, and when it encounters a wild Pokémon or is challenged by a trainer, the screen switches to the turn-based, you know, side-by-side screen, or not side-by-side, side-view screen. And the Pokémon get four moves, and then there's the hit points, there's the power point hit, and then when you know ever one side is out of Pokemon the battle ends. So this was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty revolutionary gameplay style for the time. Uh, You didn't see a lot of this, but man, did it catch on. So um, Pokemon also have experience points. There's a level up system and when they reach certain levels, they can learn new moves or replace. If, they're, if but they can only have four moves at a time, and so you can swap moves out. There's also the evolutionary um, mechanic, where certain Pokemon evolve when they, you know, d- under different circumstances, whether it's leveling up or trading or through. The evolutionary stones that some of them use. Like I said, this was a pretty revolutionary type of game for the time, but obviously it really caught on, and a lot of clones were made. I remember I was really into the Animorphs book series as a kid, and or in uh, junior high, high school. But there was a game on the Game Boy Color that followed that, bat- that gameplay style. There were a lot of them that came out around that time. So anyway, we've talked a lot about the gameplay, but we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the development. So as I mentioned earlier, the concept of Pokemon stems from the hobby of insect collecting, which was a popular pastime that Satoshi Tajiri enjoyed as a child. While growing up, however, he observed more urbanization taking place in the town where he lived, and as a result, the insect population declined. He also noticed that kids played in their homes more than outside, so he came up with the idea of a video game containing creatures resembling insects that he called Pokemon. He thought that kids could relate with Pokemon by individually naming them and then controlling them to represent fear or anger as a good way of relieving stress. However, in the game, Pokemon never bleed or die, they only faint, and Tajiri was very adamant about this as he did not want to further fill the gaming world with pointless violence. So when the Game Boy was released, he thought that the system was the perfect idea because of the link cable. He envisioned players being able to trade Pokemon with with one another. The concept of trading information was new to the video game industry because previously connection cables were only used for competition, you know like in Tetris where people can challenge each other with Tetris, that sort of thing. So he imagined a chunk of information being transferred by two connecting Game Boys with the special cables and he thought that this was really a really good idea. Upon hearing the Pokémon concept, Shigeru Miyamoto suggested creating multiple cartridges with different Pokémon on each to, you know, to further hammer in the idea of trading. Tajiri was also influenced by Square's Game Boy game Final Fantasy Legend, noting that in an interview, the game gave him the idea that more than just action f- games could be developed for the handheld. So Miyamoto is the reason why I never had an Alakazam or a <laughs> Machamp or a Gengar as a kid. Thank you for that. I never had anybody to trade with as a kid. I, all my siblings were younger, so I had really powerful Kadabras and you know, Machokes, but I never had a Machamp or a, a, uh, an Alakazam growing up. And then later on, when Gen 6 came along, and there's the GTS, I'm like, where the hell was this when I was a kid? So the main characters were named after Tajiri himself as Satoshi, who is described as Tajiri, who is described as Tajiri as a youth. And his longtime friend, role model, and mentor, and fellow Nintendo developer, Shigeru Miyamoto, is Shigeru. Ken Sugimori, an artist and a longtime friend of Chijiri, headed the development and drawing of the Pokemon and the designs, and working with a team fewer than 10 people who conceived various designs of all the 151 Pokemon. Tso- Atsuko Nishida created designs for Pikachu, Bulbasaur, Squirtle, and Charmander, and many others. Sugimori, in turn, finalized each design, drawing the Pokémon from various angles in order to assist Game Freak's graphics development in properly rendering the creature. It should be noted that their very first Pokémon that they designed was Rhydon, which is why when you're walking around in general, and especially in, like, gyms, that's why you see Rhydon in the Pokémon statues. So, it wasn't Bulbasaur. Even though Bulbasaur is number one in the Pokedex, that was not the first Pokemon that was designed. So, in order to assist Game Freak's graphics department in properly rendering the creature, music for the Game Boy was composed by Junichi Masuda, who utilized four sound channels upon, you know, for the Game Boy to create the melodies and sound effects of the Pokemon cries when heard upon encountering them. He noticed he noted that the game's opening title, themed Monster, was pronounced or produced with the image of battle scenes in mind, using white noise to sound like marching and marching music and imitate a snare drum. So the games were created called Capsule Monsters. The game's title did go through several transitions before due to trademark difficulties, becoming Capumon, you know, spelled two different ways with a C and a K before eventually settling upon Pocket Monsters. Tajiri always thought that Nintendo would reject the game and as the company did not really understand the concept at first. However, the games turned out to be a success, something Tajiri and Nintendo never expected especially because of the declining popularity of the Game Boy. So <clears throat> it should be noted that the first gen and second gen were basically two parts. It the, the concept was originally two parts of the same story. That's why Kanto and Johto are connected the way they are. That's why Team Rocket was in the story for both. That's why really you encounter the same characters in the You know, you can go back to Kanto, and it, you know, it's like nothing, well, a lot of the, a lot of things had changed, but for the most part, it was the, it was just a continuation of the same story. So, Kanto, red, blue, and green take place in Kanto, and it's based on in on the real japanese region of the same name so this is one distinct region as shown in later games but with different geographical habitats for the existing pokemon so Kanto has a lot of different cities there are some that aren't well The cities in the game are based on real cities. I'm not even going to try and pronounce these. But everything in the game is based on an existing place in Japan. So... They wanted certain Pokemon to be caught in specific ways, like to be obtained in specific ways. Like certain water Pokemon can only be caught by fishing or when you're surfing with the Pokemon. Zubat, obviously, can only be caught in a cave, things like that. So the story, as I'm sure you've known by now, because there are several different incarnations of Gen 1 starts with a young boy who is 10 years old Um, should be noted that he's a boy because uh, you couldn't play as a girl until Gen 2 specifically Crystal I believe so he dreams of being a Pokemon trainer and he deals with Professor Oak who is a famous Pokemon researcher who lives in the same town as him and he goes and saves Professor Oak from being attacked by a random Pokemon and that's how you get your first Pokemon and it just it starts from there you go take the gym challenge you encounter Team Rocket and you know you're trying to complete it complete the Pokedex that Professor of gives you. I never got a Mew growing up. Um, I think you had to get, I can't remember exactly how to get Mew, there was a specific way to get him and have it actually be able to battle with you, know, with you, or you, know, for you. So anyway, um, let's go through, let's talk about some of my memories. Actually, let's, before we get to that, let's talk about the release and the reception. So, in Japan, Pocket Monsters Red and Green were f- the first versions released, having been completed in October of 1995, and it was officially released on February 27th, 1996. And they sold rapidly due to Nintendo's idea of producing two versions of the game instead of one single title prompting consumers to buy both because how else are you gonna get all of them unless you have somebody to trade with like I didn't so several months later the blue version was released in Japan as a mail-order only special featuring the updated in-game artwork and new dialogue to create more hype to the games to revealed an extra Pokemon called Mew which he believed created a lot of rumors and myths about the game and kept the interest alive. Keep in mind, in 1996 and 1997, the internet wasn't what it is today. There was internet, but it was in very early stages. This was back during the AOL days, and pages internet pages took like five minutes to load it was kind of ridiculous so a lot of things in game like you couldn't just google it a lot of the stuff that people a lot of the myths about things in games were traded by kids on the playground or in the on the bus going to or from school you didn't have cell phones you didn't have smartphones back then you had you might have had flip phones but you know cell phones weren't very you know, weren't much of a thing at that point either so and they especially didn't have the internet at that point So a lot of this a lot of these rumors caught fire. So there's rumors of, oh, you go to this part in the game, and there's a truck, and you search the truck, and you'll find a hidden Pokemon, or something like that. So Mew was originally added by Shigeki Morimoto as a an internal prank that wasn't supposed to be exposed to consumers, and it was not until later on that Nintendo decided to Distribute Mew through a Nintendo promotional event. So this is kind of like the precursor to mystery gifts. However, in two thousand three, the glitch became widely known and could be exploited, so anyone could obtain the elusive Mew. So this must be referring to missing, missing Mo, I think missing number. Yeah, missing no. So. During the North American localization of Pokémon, a small team led by Hiro Nakamura—wait a minute—is this—is this—this is—this <laughs> isn't the guy from Heroes, is it? Hiro Nakamura uh, went through the individual Pokémon, renaming them for Western audiences based on their appearance and characteristics after approval from Nintendo Company Limited. In addition, during this process, Nintendo trademarked the 151 Pokemon names in order to ensure that they would be unique to the franchise. During the translation project, it became apparent that simply altering the names text from Japanese to English was impossible. The games had to be entirely reprogrammed from scratch due to the fragile state of their source code. And a side effect, of the usually unusually lengthy time development. Therefore, the games were based more on the modern Japanese version of blue, modeling its reprogramming and artwork, but keeping the same distribution of Pokemon found in the Japanese red and green cartridges respectively. After or as the finished red and blue versions were being prepared for release, Nintendo had adle- allegedly spent over $50 million to promote the games, fearing that the series would not be appealing to American, o- American children. They were quite wrong. The Western localization team war- warned that the cute monsters may not be accepted by American audiences and instead recommended they be redesigned or beefed up. Then present, Hiroshima. Hiroshi Yamuchi, I love these Japanese names, although these aren't super difficult to pronounce. Anyway, Hiroshi Yamuchi refused and instead viewed the game's possible reception to in America as a challenge to face. Why is it that they just seem to think that kids in America just won't appreciate things in Japan? It blows my mind that all these things happen because... Japanese people think that Americans either just won't get it or they just won't like it. So they, but more often than not, they're wrong. Anyway, despite these setbacks, the reprogrammed red and blue versions with their original character designs were eventually released in North America on September 28, 1998, over two and a half years after red and green debuted in Japan. The games were ex- received extremely well by the foreign audience, and Pokémon went on to become a lucrative franchise in America. I'd say so. The same versions were later released in Europe on October fifth, nineteen ninety nine. So, as you pro, as I've kind of mentioned earlier, these games have been re-released at the ass. So, the there's. Pokemon Yellow which started the whole third game basically Pokemon Yellow is a it's a version of Red and Blue that's more in line with the TV show the anime and so instead of getting one of the three starters that you got in Red or Blue you get Pikachu And Pikachu follows you around instead of being in his Pokeball, just like he does in the show. And when you encounter Team Rocket in the game, it's not just Rocket Grunt A, Rocket Grunt B, whatever. It's Jesse and James, and they have Meowth, uh, Ekans, and Arbok, or Ekans and uh, Coughing. And eventually they um, evolve. And also the... uh, the Pokemon Center helper and the cops or whatever are Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny so and um, your rival character Blue has Eevee instead of um, whatever Pokemon you, you pick the one that it's weak against So that obviously did really, really well also. The other thing about Pokemon Yellow is it's kind of a mix of the Pokemon you see in Red and Blue, although still some are missing, so they're still hammering the trading part of the game. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, The first one that I played was Pokemon Red, So and eventually I had Yellow also. Now, it should be noted that in on April 11th, 2020, there were references to a Pokemon Pink build for Pokemon Yellow were discovered in its source code after the source code got leaked, leading many fans to believe that a companion version was meant to be released alongside Yellow. However, it's not known whether there were plans for a pink version to have a mascot like Jigglypuff or Clefairy. So... I'd never heard of that before, but I guess that there were plans for a fourth version of the first gen, but they never came to pass. So eventually all of these games were released on the Virtual Console for the 3ds. So I actually had them for a while and I played them again. It, they, and they were here's here's the thing about the first gen. It was a start so it was annoying having to go in and make sure your Pokemon are healed even after you um, caught them. So yeah after you catch a Pokemon when you battle it you they go to the bank or not the bank but the storage system so because you can only have six Pokemon at a time which is fine. However your boxes only hold six Pokemon or 20 Pokemon at a time, I apologize, and they weren't healed. So if you wanted to take a Pokemon out of the bank, number one, you had to make sure there was space in the bank before you left the Pokemon Center because if it reaches 20 Pokemon, it doesn't automatically switch to the next box. You have to go in and actually physically change which box pokemon are being sent to it doesn't do it automatically and you had to make sure your pokemon were healed before you left the pokemon center so it was a lot of finagling that you had to do in the game a lot of that was fixed by gen 2 but for what it is the first gen games were the start of something, like I said, they, they were a start. They the concepts were all there. It is quite fun. the The uh, typing matchups were there. Everything was there. It was something that got built upon to what it is today. All the item, well, most of the items were there. There were even experience shares were there, although they only affected one Pokemon at a time. Uh, so your your rival was there. There's the evil franchise that you're fighting against. This, at this point, it was Team Rocket. So everything was there, and it should be noted, like I said, that everything has been re-released up the ass. Um, the Virtual Console, all all the first gen Pokemon are there. I think second generals all there also. They haven't re-released third gen. Unless you count the remakes. I really hope that Game Boy Advance Virtual Console becomes a thing at some point. I really miss those games. Um, There's also the Let's Go games, which are basically remakes of Pokemon Yellow with with Pikachu and Eevee. And they incorporated some of the Pokemon Go mechanics in there. Like, there are Pokemon battles. People bitch about how there aren't any Pokemon battles in the Let's Go games. Like, you can't battle wild Pokemon. You can, but it's only the legendaries. Like Moltres, Zapdos, Mewtwo. But anyway, as I mentioned, my first Pokemon game that I played was Pokemon Red. I picked Charmander because I loved the fire types. I I typically go fire type with my first pick. That made it really difficult when I first faced Brock, but I did it. Um, Actually, I should mention that in later playthroughs of that, I did pick Squirtle. But um, yeah, I, I loved Charmander. I loved ending up with a Charizard and it's just it, it's a game that i mentioned it, it does have it has aged a lot of the mechanics that today's kids are used to were not there in the first gen i kind of mentioned that earlier with the, the uh, pokemon storage boxes and all that there are no experience alls in the first gen games there wasn't even a dark type in the first gen or steel type or fairy type for that matter there are a lot of things that happened as the series progressed and the series is very hand holding these days I will say that I've gone like we've gone on record uh, with our thoughts about gen 8 I'll still do an episode with gen 8 but the games were a lot more grindy back in the day so but they're still quite fun. I can still go back and play them, but maybe that's because I grew up playing them. I. When I first heard about Pokemon, I want to say I was either in eighth grade or a freshman in high school. So I was kind of like on the older side of that generation. But still I was was still young enough and I I have younger siblings as I mentioned earlier so I played the crap out of the original games and I still play them so all these years later I still play Pokemon games anyway I'm gonna wrap this up Um, so next episode I will talk about Gen 2 Thank you once again to The Hive for sponsoring this show. Give me your thoughts. Send me your thoughts, guys. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at NintenfoP. You can email the show if you would like at nintenfopodcast at gmail.com. We have a Discord. Um, There is a Discord that I've got. Um, I will leave the link in the show notes for it. And... Stay tuned, guys. Um also, there is my other show, Tamrailic Adventures. I'm starting a new series on the Aedra and Daedra uh next week, starting with Loricon, and then I'm gonna go through the Aedra first, and then the Daedra. I'm gonna do both of those alphabetically. I am working on a Fallout podcast with my buddy and fellow Hive member KDB. So, we are going to be launching it on October 23rd. It is called Tapes from the Waste, a Fallout podcast. And there are going to be lore segments. It's mostly going to be a lore podcast, but there's also going to be skits. I can voice a super mutant. Or I can voice a ghoul. Things like that. You know, I can do some voice acting and get my voice out there. And it's gonna be a lot of fun so the first episode launches on october 23rd which is in honor of the great war the two-hour nuclear war that took place and then we'll go from there so we've got a lot of episodes a lot of episode ideas in mind so send your thoughts uh follow tapes from the waste on Follow them on Twitter and Instagram, it's tftwpod. There is a teaser video that is on both. I want to say with Instagram it's just on the show's stories, but with Twitter it is part of a tweet. So the video is about two minutes long, you've definitely got time to check it out. It has gotten great responses. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be working on that with KDB. So definitely check that out. Um, the The teaser audio is on Anchor. And if it's on Anchor, it should be on Spotify also. So definitely, definitely follow the show. And definitely look for it when it launches on October 23rd. So thank you, KDB, for... Asking me to be involved. I'm very excited to be working on a fallout podcast. So, anyway, that'll do it for me. Um, Make sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, If you leave a review with some text, I will read it out on the show. It helps get the word out about this show. We've been out for over a year now, but, and the show's done well, but I would definitely like to keep this going. So anyway, as always stay tuned for more Nintendo.